Welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Welcome to Syosset Library's Turn the Page podcast. Uh, we are here today with the author of Nocturne, Alyssa Wees. Um, and Nocturne is just a really interesting book. It's one of those books that it's got so much like genre appeal. And it's one of those books that I think, um, you know, I think we were lacking for. I know when I was kind of going from YA to adult books uh, myself, I don't know about you, Jen. Um, actually, although YA books were not as not as great as they are now, but still, um, you know, there's there's magic in this book um, and it calls back to other um, properties and it's just beautiful. So uh, I'm going to let the author actually just talk about the book. Oh, wait, I didn't introduce us, did I? Jen? <laughs> ah, that's okay. Is, yes, no, that's fine. Okay. So this is Jessica um, and um, I'm, I'm actually co-hosting with Jen. Hi, Jen. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, um, we're going to invite Alisa, um, Alyssa Wees to tell us about Nocturne. Thank you. Thank you so much for the lovely introduction, too. Um, yeah, so my name is Alyssa, and Nocturne is my um, adult fantasy debut, and it comes out on February 21st from Del Rey. And it's really... Um, just like one of those books like straight from my heart because it's about Chicago which is where I'm from and ballet um, which I grew up dancing from the age of four onward um, for many many years and it's really just like everything that I love in a book. I thought this was um, such a lovely book. The writing is really beautiful. It has like a really distinct voice that I really enjoyed. And I'm wondering, you know, because you did already mention how it wraps up so many of your your interests and your history, like where you're from and, and uh, you know, hobbies you've enjoyed. And, you know, what made you decide to take all these things that you love and all these stories that you love? Because like Jessica said, it does reference a lot of like very... Um, almost mythic stories at this point. Um, what made you decide to make it all into like a period piece? Because like the 30s setting is really, really like cool and evocative too. And I'm wondering like how you arrived at that. Yeah. Um, so basically it was kind of like, it came together in a couple different ways um, because I really like, I knew I wanted to write a ballet story, um, but I was kind of having trouble finding my way into it. Um, and at the time, I had just been happening to do some um, personal like family research. And um, it led me kind of down this rabbit hole, um, because my grandparents, um, they grew up in this neighborhood in Chicago called Little Sicily. It's not there anymore. Um, it got torn down. But um the more I learned about this neighborhood, the more fascinated I became um, because it was called, it was nicknamed Little Hell, um, which is in the book for the factory furnaces that would light up the night. Um, and there was also this place called Death Corner, 
where like mobsters would leave their like dead bodies <laughs> and um I was just like what um and both of my grandparents are no longer with us so it was something that I couldn't ask them about um and I really regret not getting to talk to my grandma about this what it was like to grow up in this neighborhood so um you know I was just kind of fascinated and um this was kind of my way of kind of having like the conversation with them. I don't think their childhoods were as bleak as Grace's sometimes is. And uh, Grace's story is a little bit before their time. Um, but I just like when I was learning all these things about that area, it really just clicked for me. And her story um, just kind of came from that. I think it's a really interesting era. Um, and just kind of took my imagination away you know so all again all of the elements that come together um were so what were you sort of um when you were writing grace's voice because grace is the protagonist um she is a ballet dancer during this time period um she did play violin at one point but dancing seems to be her passion and she finds herself it's like one of those like be careful what you wish for situations like she is elevated to prima ballerina Uh, this is during a time where you're you know like she talks about people going into like the park and picking dandelion greens to eat which by the way are delicious like i like if i have a salad with dandelion greens i am pleased as punch but you know reading this and being like this was a desperate person's food puts that into perspective as as a lot of things are now you know like we're food for people who a delicacy now is like one person's like desperate to eat it back then um but where did grace's voice come from um for you yeah that's a really interesting question um you know I like I said it took me kind of a while to find my way into the story and like you said like all these elements are kind of coming together and it kind of really clicks for me when I thought about like more of the gothic narratives of like like for me I love these really like slow burn stories that then like at the end all hell kind of breaks loose or you know you have the heroine who's kind of in this situation where she's like doesn't have maybe a lot of agency and she's kind of working with what she's got and then kind of triumphs at the end um so that was really where Grace's voice came from that idea of you know she's she's been kind of um, beaten down, but she's still really um, optimistic and keeps trying. But then once she finally does get her dreams, it's maybe not what she thought it was. And she has to kind of keep going, keep finding, you know, she's still trapped. It was kind of about like, you know, and there's a lot of bird imagery. She's kind of in this cage because she's just not living on her own terms um, until the very end. Um, So yeah, <laughs> that's that's where it came from. Yeah, as you were speaking, it really occurred to me that like for the things that you do with like Grace's journey through this book, like, I mean, obviously the magical elements are like super cool and integral and that works too. But like the the, cho- the, the choice to set it in the past, like in this 30s setting um, is super interesting to me because like 
it's a time where like society was kind of more in flux and, you know, like there were much bigger distinctions between like wealthy and poor and poor people had, um, like a really, really difficult time, like getting out of poverty. But there were also like, because it was like a, a society that had like less, you know, like tracking and tracing people and there were less ways to identify people and stuff like that. You could kind of like happenstance your way into like these weird life circumstances, you know? So like in the thirties, it seems like it's so much more realistic that like an orphan can end up a, a prima ballerina than like now, you know, <laughs> because. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. I know. Cause I feel like, and that's why I like writing historical too, because I do feel like there's a little bit more leeway. Um, you know, maybe that's just my modern perspective looking back, but yeah, it does feel like now everything's very rigid and, um, you know, like people are able to like, um in part two when grace goes to master la rose's house um she can't really communicate with amelia whereas like now she could just text her you know and there was like and um that disconnect you know and and maybe you have to be more creative when you're working with phones and because it's so easy um to know everything about everyone all the time um so i do like that there is to me more of a miss more of a mystery just created from being in, you know, the 1930s or really any kind of historical period. So there's definitely some elements of um, Phantom of the Opera here, as well as some elements of Beauty and the Beast. And, you know, it wasn't until I really, <laughs> I feel so stupid about this, but it wasn't until I read this that I was like, there are similarities between Beauty and the Beast and Phantom of the Opera. Why have I not made that connection in the past? <laughs> um, was that what you were going for? And have you made that connection in the past? Am I just like, damn, Jen, did you make that connection in the past? <laughs> okay. Yeah, so um, what's really funny is actually when I started writing this, I didn't make the Phantom of the Opera con connection. Um I will admit it is my favorite musical. Um, so, you know, it's always on my mind. But, you know, when I first had the idea, I was actually talking to my sister about it, um, bouncing the idea off of her. And I'm like explaining and she's like, oh, like Phantom of the Opera. And I was like, no. And then I'm like, no, listen. And I like kept explaining and she's like, Phantom of the Opera. And I'm like, no, listen. <laughs> and then finally, she's like, I really think you should lean into Phantom of the Opera. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so yeah, it wasn't really like, I mean, it was a little bit intentional, but I do think like after, you know, part one, it really diverges and that's when you get kind of the beauty and the beast, um, which is also my favorite, um, you know, the Disney version is my favorite movie of all time. Um, so I, yeah, I love a beauty and the beast narrative. Um, but again, I really wanted to kind of put a different spin on it. It's more of a a gothic tale um you know and there are elements of like the classical story about like every night or you know him asking her to marry him um and all of that I I did draw directly from um the tale more the French the old French version um but again in the end I really wanted it you know again it kind of diverges um but those two were definitely big inspirations <laughs> Yeah, I really like the way that you sort of like combine all these really like, 
like deep mythic story elements, you know, because like all the themes that we're talking about, like the phantom themes and Beauty and the Beast and like, you know, there are shades of like Hades and Persephone to me too, a little bit like um, it like gives it this really like um like feeling of like mythic history you know like it has like it has a place like in this like line of types of stories and like types of characters and stuff like that when you are working with all of these like really classic themes and like types of characters um do you like try to maintain awareness of those influences like are you revisiting them in stories you love like are you re-experiencing them or do you kind of like put them away for a little while so that like you're not drawing too directly on them like how do you treat your like you know inspirational sources yeah that's a really interesting question um I probably am still like really in conversation with them because um you know I was listening to fan of the opera as I'm you know writing or um watching revisiting the movies um there's a newer French movie that I really like that came out a few years ago uh, like La Belle at La Bette you know and I was always watching that and kind of drawing inspiration but you're right because I don't want to borrow too heavily or make it seem too familiar um so it is kind of a delicate balance too um to not make it just the same old thing um but they're definitely top of mind just because they are my favorite stories oh yeah for sure and I think that's kind of cool too that like you you know can like listen to it while you're writing because like I imagine that like when you're doing it while you're kind of doing something else or your mind is elsewhere like you are absorbing like vibes you know so, so yes you, like, yes you're not like, <laughs> plot points and stuff but you are like immersing yourself in like the vibe that you want your book to have you know <laughs> yes exactly yes I definitely run on the vibes <laughs> <laughs> so what were some of um your favorite books like um kind of that you consumed um both in, you know, a growing up YA and how did you find sort of making the leap from YA to adult? Yeah, so um, I grew up really on fairy tales. Um, I, my favorite, and it's still, I reread it every, I try to reread it every year is Ella Enchanted. Um, just so good. And um Beauty by Robin McKinley was a big favorite. Um, and just really like Disney, like I had a steady diet of Disney and still do. Um, <laughs> so that really influenced, um, influences me a lot in all of my stories. Um, and then, you know, into YA, I was very into like the Princess Diaries and, you know, so I always loved fantasy but I love fantasy that takes place in our world or that like kind of and my YA book is like that too where it starts kind of in our world and then it's kind of a portal fantasy um and making that leap from YA to adult um you know I don't think it was so different but I did feel like with adult like I could kind of slow down because I feel that in YA it really is more plot forward um Whereas an adult, you can hopefully have more patient readers, you know, um, I mean, I get it as a teen, I just wanted to devour, 
you know, like Hunger Games and just the plot action-y. But as an adult, I found, like, growing up, I find that I like the slower narratives that kind of take their time getting there. Um, So that was one thing that I really liked um, about making that switch. Um, I do still love YA and maybe I'll write another YA, but um, adult is where I feel comfortable now. Um, So one of the things that I really loved about this book that I want to ask about, you know, without giving too much away. So I'm going to try to tread pretty carefully here. (laughs) But um, one of the things that this book does that I love is that it draws on a very long association between death and dancing. Um, Like you see a lot of that imagery throughout history. Like that was like in, I studied the middle ages, like when I was in school. And so like, yeah, like they had, like that imagery was all over the place, you know, like the juxtaposition of like joyful dancing and like somber death. And so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about like how these things came together for you and uh, you know, how you feel like you were drawing on that tradition, if that was something that you were like, kind of like consciously uh, doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can think of like a lot of stories, like the, um, I believe it's Hans Christian Anderson story, the red shoes where she um, dances herself to death in these magical shoes. Um, And there's one, um, well, basically, like in Italian, one of the um, the folk dances is the tarantella. Um, and it actually um, originated because it was said that um, the a bite from a wolf spider, you like had to dance to get like the poison out. So there's that like association there. Like it kind of makes you go, the poison makes you go crazy or, you know, um, which I really love that. And I think like, ballet is so much like the opposite of death and grace does this too where it's like as long as I'm dancing like it can't touch me you know because you're you're so alive but it also drains you at the same time so I loved that you know because it does take a ton of energy and I know like growing up you know my body is definitely bringing down now because it's so hard on your body but it also is like necessary to feel alive you know this like this movement. Um, so yeah, I just, I love that, um, intertwining and I think that it worked. So like, it was just there, you know, for me to take, draw inspiration from, because they do go hand in hand, even though they're opposites. I also think about the 12 dancing princesses. Yes. (laughs) Which is by far one of the most underrated fairy tales I guess because there are 12 dancing princesses that kind of makes the cast very big um yes yeah not not that like Disney is been particularly faithful to you know um like you can like you know it might be the three dancing princesses but whatever but I just I love that story so much and um you know they go to to like an underworld to dance with these demon princes um so I kind of got notes of that as well oh yeah yeah one of my favorite books um is um oh my gosh and now I can't think of the title the midnight ball that is that a good adaptation of 12 dancing princesses Oh, I don't know if I read that one. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> okay, I'll have to look that one up. There's, I know there's um 
House of Salt and Sorrows by Aaron Craig. That's a good one. Yes. Um, there's also the Juliet Marillier, um, Wild. What? Uh, why can't I think of it? <laughs> I have to look it up. It's like um, it's set in uh Romania. Um, so it's actually vampires and the twelve dancing princesses. Wildwood dancing. That's it. <laughs> I knew I had something with wild and wood. Um, yeah, that's a really good one. And that was one that um, really got me thinking about that too, because it is kind of that vampires kind of equals death also. Um, again, dancing and death, they just kind of go together. Um, so thank you so much for talking to us today. I'm wondering, um, do you think that this is a world that you will ever return to in your writing? Or do you continue to sort of like keep writing in this sort of like gothic-y sort of uh, tradition or like where where do you plan to go next? Yeah, that's a really interesting question um, because I do, I feel like when I'm drafting and when I'm writing, I'm like, oh, I'm going to write so many different stories set in this world. Um, and then kind of once I finish the book, it does feel like I've moved on a little bit. Um so I don't know. Um, I guess I do have ideas to revisit. Maybe I feel like, you know, Grace's story is pretty complete. Like I feel good about where I left her. Um, but I think it would be cool to like explore more about the ballet company, especially with, well, spoiler, but you know, with Amelia, what she's going to do next and all of that. Um, so, um, but no plans right now to revisit. I do love the gothic you know um genre so I probably will revisit that I would say um because my next book coming out um I do have another one with Delray um I don't know if I can say too much about it yet but it's definitely very different um but I think it still has the same sort of feel um it's definitely fairy tale inspired um just not you know totally different not Beauty and the Beast this time um and it's, it's, it's hard to say, sometimes it's hard to evaluate your own work. But, um, but yeah, it definitely still will, everything I do will probably be in some way related to fairy tales and gothic tales. Um, for sure, it just kind of depends on what I'm like feeling at the time. <laughs> this was great. Thank you so much for joining us this book is beautiful um the cover is Thank beautiful you. the language is beautiful yes. uh welcome to the world of adult literature thank um, you <laughs> you're welcome yeah, um, thank you for talking to me this was great oh super um so once again this was jessica with syosset libraries turn the page podcast my, my, my co-host was Jen, goodbye. Nice to, nice to. I was about to say nice to see you all, but I didn't see. You. <laughs> right. Um, yes. Uh, this is heard. this has been like a really silly interview. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and uh, one. I love uh, it. Yeah, we would love to uh, thank um, Alyssa Weiss for coming on and read Nocturne. Yes. Yes. Please and thank you very much. These questions have been great. So we are going to close this chapter of Turn the Page. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode.